Hello and welcome to the Symbol Podcast. My name is Dave Collingwood. I'm an independent symbol maker based in Bristol, UK. This is episode 12 and my guest today is Robin Allender, a guitarist, songwriter, producer and stand-up comedian originally from Bristol and now living in London. We talked very little about cymbals, to be honest, but covered some favourite drummers and chatted about life as a touring and recording musician. Before we start, don't forget, if you search Spotify for The Symbol Podcast, you'll find a playlist featuring the bands and songs discussed in each episode. Also, check out the show notes for a link to Robin's Bandcamp page and take a listen to his music. Now let's get on with the episode. Welcome to The Symbol Podcast. This is episode 12, and I'm joined via Zoom by Robin Allender, a very old friend of mine. How's it going, Robin? Very good, thanks. Yeah, nice to be here. Yeah, nice (laughs) to have you. So where are you? You're in London these days, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in South London. Um... It's the we're in the Corona crisis as we yep. chat, so um, quite strange times. Definitely on lockdown. But yeah, um, yeah, but it's good to you know good to catch up and good to talk about music and things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So Robin is a guitar player and a songwriter, um, and we've been in bands together over the years. We've toured the world over the years as well so we know travel the world and elsewhere world (laughs) elsewhere name that quote um yeah so so like i guess the first thing being very sort of topical with obviously on lockdown at the moment are you sort of keeping busy with music and sort of creativity at the moment yeah well like how so i definitely tried to i mean like last week i i sort of i was just chatting to Ruth, um, my girlfriend, and saying, "Why should, should I should just try and record something in this period? Because I'm, I just normally take so long about doing something." Yeah. And so I put together an EP last week. Cool. Which I released on Friday, which was um, yeah, just a very nice way of kind of dealing with the anxiety of this situation yeah. and just concentrating on something different and um, yeah, and just it was nice to work on something quickly and. Yeah, you know, just get yeah. out there and stuff. You know, it was weird. It was meant to be kind of a soothing thing to do, but inevitably I got really frustrated with getting rid of digital clicks and mixing <laughs> stuff. So it was like really, yeah. really annoying as well. But so yeah, those, definitely. Sorry, go on. I was, uh, were those old songs that you pieced together into an EP or was it from scratch in the week? Uh, <clears throat> one of them was a song I, I sort of started recording last year. And the other three, well, and then two of them were kind of instrumental acoustic things that I've been playing for, a, kind of mucking around with for a while, uh, you know, a few months or so. Yeah. And then another of them was a kind of more ambient piece that, piece, quite pretentious, <laughs> <laughs> an ambient thing that I've been kind of um, working on. I, I, I mean, working in that style recently, so I recorded mm. a kind of, quite long ambient thing that Ruth uh, sort of played piano on as well so it's cool it's kind of an you know a odd mixed bag of things but I'm yeah. quite happy with how it sounds cool is yeah. you say that's out now is that on Bandcamp yeah it's just on Bandcamp it? yeah <clears throat> all right cool yeah. I'll put a link in the show notes oh great that'll be fun Thank you. yeah Thank you. <laughs> um so like yeah like you're saying about working quickly like, because obviously you and I have worked together on stuff for years. Yeah. And, and like, I just remember, I don't know if you even want to talk about your first <laughs> album. Or oh, anything. sure. Yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah, I, I, I don't mind that at all. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting to chat about. Yeah, yeah. So, like, when, when did we even do that? What year was that album? I think I recorded it in 2006. Right. And we released it in 2007. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, like the whole kind of production and recording process. I I did a lot of it, like, mm. kind of after... No, Simon did the recording, didn't he, our friend? Yeah, Simon. he had one of these old, um, you know, it's kind of slightly... One of these old kind of um, digital multi-track recorded things that used to get before everyone mm. just started using logic or able to you know do you remember that thing it was i huge. do yeah i, I was amazed <laughs> by it because you could burn a cd from it, yeah you know they were so fiddly to use oh, and simon ridiculous. kind of knew his way around it but then yeah we recorded it all with simon then simon moved away in oh, to manchester right. and then we sort of we, i remember we imported it to cubase on your that's right computer and we sort of worked on it from there neither us 
neither of us having a clue what we were doing. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah, yeah. that's what I was getting to. Like yeah, the, yeah. this whole idea of working quickly. Like I didn't. Yeah. I, I started using you know like producing it and putting compressors on tracks because I'd seen compressors and they looked nice. You know? Yes. Yeah. I sort of I like seeing meters jumping around and stuff. Yeah. You I know, know what I mean. Well, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So like listening back to it, I think, geez, what I'd love to kind of erase it in a way from you know not the not the content, but. I well, no, know. I feel like that about the content. I mean, I just, mm. um, it's its such an interesting process because I think there are a lot of people people who sit on things. Yeah. You know, they're, they're creative people, but they sit on things because they're worried about putting something out that they're not happy with. Sure. And I think I'm probably the opposite, but, I, you know. What do you mean, the opposite? Well, I think I, I, I think I just put stuff out. And you know, right? I've released a lot, you know, a lot of music over the years, and yeah, yeah. I do. I'm, I'm, it's not that I don't have quality control, but I just, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just, I'd rather it was out there because then, mm. otherwise, I just fiddle with it for years on end or something. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, uh, like, that reminds me a bit of a tangent, maybe. But I was thinking about Outer Dark. The yeah. album that again mm. I played on and, and like produced and stuff and yeah. kind of helped you with, um, and I, I just remembered the other day I think it was that album um, like the the tracks the the track listing I think is it eight songs on it and I think yeah, you chose yeah. the track listing based on the song titles and how they looked as a list. Is yeah, right? I think it was the working titles. Right. Um, were just would would automatically go in this alphabetical order. Right, and um, that ended up being the order that they were in because it just right. seemed to work like that. So it's yeah, one of those yeah. nice kind of things. I, you know, I I'm, I love that that Alan Band album and the EP. Yeah, um, you know, and so when talking about that first album again, which is called "The Bird and the Word," even hate the title. Can't anyway, <laughs> <It's> not going <laughs> but, well. Yeah, but I think it's it's kind of nice that we had that experience with that one mm. where we didn't know what we were doing because otherwise we wouldn't have got to the stage we did with that the other yeah. the later stuff. So that's an you know so that's another reason I think it's kind of okay. Yeah, to have make mistakes because I wouldn't change anything about those Alan Band ones. Partly because I'm just so familiar with them and just yeah, they ju- they've just become quite um, meaningful to me really because they remind me of that you know quite. Uh, an important time in my life i suppose yeah sure yeah you're you're all if if it's fair to say you're kind of all about the nostalgia uh, <coughs> yeah yeah you know, I've, I've i was writing down my little list of things yeah. that we could talk about and one of them is pubs yeah one of, one of them is the past and then i thought well just combine the two and i've put yeah. the past pubs because past pubs yeah we're very appropriate for now Abs- you know, yeah yeah absolutely good point yeah, so yeah. thinking to like um, brewery tap that that's yeah. one of yours. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I I don't I sort of forming a question. I'm not sure what the question is, but mm. like I don't want it to be too simplistic. But you seem to kind of delve into the past, almost like an imagined past, like yeah, some, sometimes think, like parallel to the real past. If that makes yeah. sense. Well, I think I just have that natural uh, sort of default way of looking at the world. Anyway, it's like you know just. We were talking about that first album again, and I, I remember I spent so much time regretting it. Yeah, <laughs> that really? album, and it was just—I remember I was living with, you know, John, our friend John at the time. And John just said, "Why don't you just do another album?" And I was like, "Oh," and it hadn't even occurred to me oh, yeah, that I could actually point. go move forward rather than just constantly looking back. But I—I I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know why that does come across uh, so s- s- strongly in in the sort of music I, I don't know i just yeah there is the, i just sort of always had that slight romanticism about mm. the past of kind of idealizing the past i don't know yeah fair <laughs> enough but, i mean yeah. the, the present's horrible isn't it so that's a very good point yeah yeah, yeah it is it's yeah. all going on I so so like going delving into the past again let's uh, yeah um so we played with jan tearson for a long time yeah long time and basically yeah. toured the world and i remember mm. like i i joined slightly before you did and i remember yeah. coming to you and and saying jan's asked me if you'd like to if you'd like to join on guitar because the other yeah. guitarist went off and did something else and it mm-hmm. took you a while to kind of decide 
like should I do it or shouldn't I and Mm -hmm. I think it was your girlfriend at the time basically said are you mad of course you've got to do this yeah you know yeah I think I was just very I mean it was just a big leap into the unknown definitely of sure and that was the kind of fear that you know just worrying about you know to practical things like finances and stuff but I I mean I was I think I was always going to do it but then I had a real sense of yeah it was a big you know it was just literally I think I had to give a month's notice at my work Mm. and then you know a month later we were in New York City (laughs) (laughs) but literally though which was like insane and it was so exciting yeah but um you know to yeah, I, I I just felt that apprehension because it was like, oh my god, this is a huge life changing thing, and yeah, massive, and, it, and very yeah. quick as well. Like it's so say. quick, and and you just thought, um, you know, at the time it was like, oh, it, it might just be for one or two, you know, two or three tours or a year's work or something. Yeah, and you know, I ended up working with him for about five years or something. Yeah, <laughs> so it just yeah. totally was a yeah, it's this is just a. A huge part of my life. It was. It was. Um, it was great. Yeah. 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 What What do you make of the touring lifestyle? Like having been through it. Um. It's again it's quite it's a broad slightly, question. I suppose. Yeah. No, I suppose with a slightly nostalgic hat on, it's one of those things where it, at the time it's quite difficult, but you obviously look back at it and it's just, in, you know, um, incredible. Really. Yeah. But there are lots of. There are difficult things about it. It's difficult to. I mean, practically speaking, it's difficult to sleep. You know, you're just constantly feeling tired. (laughs) There are so many highs and lows. There's so much kind of waiting around. There's so much traveling and, you know, and, but then there are just moments of sort of pure kind of, um, yeah, kind of ecstatic feelings (laughs) in terms of the performances and the feeling afterwards, which, you know, it's uh, totally, it was incredible, but I suppose it's like, I mean, it's something similar to what we're all experiencing now, during the corona is thing is it's so quickly how you get accustomed to a new lifestyle isn't it yeah you know we've we've yeah. been you know um it only takes a couple of days really and, and you're just it's, kind of already yeah. used to that new way of living your life and yeah it is funny how i hope that is i don't mean that as a crass kind of i'm not comparing the two i don't mean that to sound <laughs> no no of, no I, I take your point on that but things mm. do i like i've got this kind of natural um way of just assuming if something's going to happen it's it's just going to take weeks like even in my work it's like i've got a list of things i need to do one of them might just be send an email yeah. and my natural response to even me writing it down is like that'll be done in a few weeks whereas yeah, I know. Yeah. all i have to do is just sit there and type it and tick it off yeah yeah i think i have that it's, it's certainly with music it's like oh this is going to take ages and then you can i always have that with vocal takes particularly it's like oh this is going to take so long and then it's like you're basically doing it if you do a good take that literally takes as long as it takes to listen to a song which is like three or four minutes yeah yeah. you know so it's but it is weird yeah i definitely have that i really put off Mm. things like that definitely Mm. so talking Mm. about that then are you you're obviously recording in your in your house by yourself yeah uh-huh, are are yeah. you like self-producing? And you, you say you got Ruth to play piano for you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We've got quite a nice setup in the house. We've got a room which is sort of study studio kind of space. And yeah, um, yeah so this, this EP is the first thing where I kind of mixed it, and I, I guess I mastered it. But I, you know, in the sense that I got the levels balanced out. Really. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's the first time I've kind of done that, and I, I kind of enjoyed that that process i think um, have you kind of you've dived into production a little bit more these days like a little bit because, talking about parallel compression and side chaining <laughs> and stuff a fair bit. yeah i mean yeah i don't i know i'm not an expert at all but i think it's just one of those things where it's as i've the way i write music now has become more about the way i'm using um uh, logic or whatever to um to actually create the piece of music so i find that mixing is actually becoming part of the composition process yeah, yeah. so i'm kind of enjoying that side and it, and it's all and the great thing about it is there are just you know if you're stuck on something then you know you you 
look on YouTube and there's someone with a horrible voice explaining how to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, that kind of... So that I, I really like that element of it where every time I'm using logic or, you know, I'm just learning something new, mm. which is... And that's all become part of the the writing process. I find I don't really play the guitar as much anymore. It tends to be kind oh, really? of about... Well, I do, I do, but like it tends to be about I come up with something and then it's much more exciting for me to record it and kind of tinker with it from there, really. Sure, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so moving sort of off a little bit, talking about writing and, and yeah. doing new things, you've started doing stand-up as well. I say started, yeah. you've been doing it a while now, haven't you? I guess. Yeah, it's about um, three years, I think it was 2016. Right. Uh, yeah. Mm. So well, you've actually, just... Go on. Yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I, don't, I, was, I don't know, my first gig was actually 2015, but it went so badly, I didn't do it for another another year. <laughs> Just to so, get over. Yeah, so 2016, and then, yeah. Why did you go back if the first one was so bad? Um... I just, I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't know. I've got no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I just enough. thought I'd give it another go, and yeah. I kind of wanted to give it another go. Yeah. And the sec- that second gig went well, and then, you know... There we go. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. So you've just done a big tour with John Robbins. Yes. Who's like yeah. a friend, friend of yours as well. Um, yeah. But that seemed like quite a leap to be suddenly, like John Paul's a big crowd and playing some yeah. big venues. Yeah. Like, it was a huge, uh, yeah, it's a huge kind of step up. Yeah. I was used to, yeah, like I've been saying, I was used to doing, um, you know, I've, I ran this weekly night. I helped run it with some other comics in Bristol running this weekly night, you know, in a pub in Bristol. And that was like maybe 30, 40 people max. Yeah. And then doing small gigs of that size, then to kind of doing hundreds and, you know, thousands with this joint was like pretty insane. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was, a, it was a real, it was a, it was a learning experience. <laughs> mm. Are you going to keep good. going? You're going to keep doing it? Definitely. I mean, obviously it's not like a good time now for comedians, but. No. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I, I genuinely love it. Like, I've d- I have done a few gigs after the tour. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy that side of... Uh, again, it goes back to what you're saying about slow and fast working. The thing I love about stand-up is you can write something that day or come up with something while you're on stage and it gets this immediate reaction. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And I, I love that side of it. I love yeah, the, that's crea- cool. the creative side and the kind of working out what people find funny and you know is there a flip side to that like can you spend ages preparing something like i because i've i've seen you do stand-up and you've Mm. you know you're playing some songs and some snippets here and there yeah do you Mm. like could it maybe you spend ages like building something that you think oh this is great and then the first time you do it just nothing oh yeah totally it's just (laughs) yeah and it tends to be that the more you worked and overworked something is the less funny it is which which is right uh, there is a kind of musical comparison i think you know that the music thing of like that first take being sure the best take thing there's definitely that thing with comedy where it's sometimes like the first or most spontaneous way of saying something is often the kind of most successful that's interesting Yeah. yeah there's definitely a bit in the tour that i was trying to get right just night after night and it was you know it was and then I just realised it wasn't actually that funny and I just spent so much time trying to get it right and everything. But then you just, I just cut it out. and it was Just dropped it. it. <laughs> yeah, dropped it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you're reminding me a bit of, of well, touring and gigging because especially mm. when you do a big run, maybe, like, 20 gigs in a row or something, yeah. like, some a good gig, like you said, is just ecstatic and you come off stage just feeling that was amazing mm. and... You know, you're in a kind of party spirit, but the bad gigs, like, and gigs can be bad for reasons, like, from my point of view, I just couldn't put my finger on sometimes, just, yeah, I just kind of almost decided I was going to have a bad gig or something. Yes, definitely, I know that feeling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, then you kind of find yourself just thinking, what am I doing with my life, and, you know, yeah, it's quite you, a dramatic response, but... You, you kind of, yeah, like pan out and it's like oh god what's this mean <laughs> what have i done yeah 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 totally i think the weird thing is definitely with music i mean you can do a gig and you can kind of 
there are so many other factors like you might think oh well the sound wasn't very good or Mm. you know you might be doing a more experimental gig or something and it's like you know if you're you know you're obviously not going to get an ecstatic clap along if you're playing you know half an hour of a drone or something (laughs) so there are certain kind of expect audience expectations you can deal Mm. with and factor in and yeah that's true but with comedy it's just literally like if people aren't laughing then you you just it's hard not to think that you're doing really badly really yeah i mean that is the you know it is weird i mean definitely that kind of thing of coming off stage and thinking you know that i definitely had that with the the john's tour coming off stage with that totally ecstatic feeling like yeah that particularly the like the Apollo and some of the bigger gigs were just superb. It was just fantastic feeling. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was going to talk a bit about gear. Um, obviously, you're not a drummer as such yourself, but you do like to sit behind the kit and smack out a rhythm. Mm. I think. Like, can you actually drum? I, I was saying before, like, I remembered band practices when you'd sit down to the kit when we were on a break and start sort of just doing stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've always, yeah, I've always loved playing the drums. Yeah, um, didn't you play drums in a band? Yeah, a long what? time ago. I was pretty bad, <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've always thought I've had quite good coordination in terms right. of my four limbs can do different things. But my my sense of temp, ty- uh, I guess tempo is terrible. Like right. I will just speed up and slow down. Right, right. But I, I, I love playing. That was like a thing in the last tour we did with Jan. I remember for the like album called uh, Infinity. There was a lot oh. of for that tour we did a lot of things where we were um, swapping instruments on stage. So someone might play drum, you know. Someone might play keyboards on this song and bass on this song, and we were all kind of switching around. And right. I, I would always say, "Can I play drums on this one?" And Jan was always like, "No, no, not, not at all." <laughs> but um, I think that's because again, I was kind of always going behind the kit when there was a break and stuff. Yeah. But um, I'd love to play drums in a kind of um, I don't know, just to have a. Mm. you know a drum kit around to play on yeah just sit and play Mm. yeah just i'll i'll cover it just because of the title of the podcast do symbols mean much to you at all (laughs) do you you ever kind of notice them on recordings or sort of if you're recording drums you're after something particular um yeah i think i i i'm kind of i i always just really like drummers who uh, play the drums like an instrument, you know. So it's about being creative with the kit. So yeah, I mm. love. I, I yeah, there is. I, I think symbols are really important, and you know, I think it's some you know, some of the tracks we did the Allender Band. I think your playing is really good, like particularly on the symbols and emphasis oh. you use emphases you use and um, kind of uh, washes you create with the symbols. There's a really oh, long cool. song called the Bower on, on an. EP where the symbol kind of washes coming and going are really lush and oh yeah it's like that yeah so th- what other what drummers do do that for you you know um well, yeah I was trying to kind of think of a list before I came on and because I was listening to some of the earlier episodes so the, the first one that came to mind really is Matt Cameron from Soundgarden yeah great um who I think's just you know phenomenal musician and um Someone who plays in a kind of rock setting, but in a in a very very sensitive way, yeah, and is uh, just always aware of the kit and and just I don't know, just some really good sounds on Super Unknown. There are some great sounds. And that song Head Down, yeah, really good kind of workout at the end. And there's <laughs> all kinds of weird like hammering noises and stuff that doesn't sound like. Mm. A drum kit per se. Why I've loved I I love that song. I love that sound as well. That kind of yeah. So I I think I love drummers who are able to kind of I don't know what the, how to describe it really. No, that's that's cool. I mean, we we had a little chat recently about Danny Carey. Yeah, yeah. Because like, you you're quite into the latest Tool album. I I, I, I think it's good. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's not a very cool thing to admit to. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, um, I like it. I don't. I mean, with Tool, I think a lot of the time you are listening to 
technicality and virtuos- virtuosity yeah. above what how good a song might be sometimes, you know? <laughs> I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, though, like, Danny Carey, for me, is always... Whenever I talk about him, I always say I love his precision, but that's mm. it's a it's a dirty word because like what I don't like about a lot of drummers is their precision. Yeah. So like, but he's got just this kind of almost kind of dark creative precision. Like mm. again, really hard to sum up, but but like be it beneath all the kind of virtuoso playing and stuff, there are some really good riffs and like yeah. real good choices being made. And again, he's yeah. he's quite. Um, very sensitive and he's not yeah. like a massive hard hitter is he particularly not really no i mean he's you know solid when he needs to be but yeah it's not but like he's just got that lovely thing no no but he's just got that lovely polyrhythmic kind of stuff he can do and the, and again it's about those different drum sounds like this kind of the video we're talking about is that what's the track called numa it's the one the new album the, the one that um Vader drumsticks yeah did. yeah i think it's numa yeah yeah, it's... Um, I have to check that now. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll double check. But there's a great video on YouTube which is just focuses on him. Yeah. And you're watching it and it's just going like, oh, this is so amazing. And then it's like, yeah, I don't really, can't remember anything about the song. <laughs> yeah. but, but it is just incredible watching him because like work the kit because he's got these really nice toms and he's mm. getting some kind of almost like Indian tabla sounds. and Yeah. It's yeah, just sure. very, very creative and it's... yeah. You know, it's very good to watch. So, like, he's one After of the few... No, go, go on, go on. After a few cans, I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, him and Tool, are like, one of the few kind of drummers stroke bands that yeah. have a kind of visual... I mean, lo- like, loads of bands do have a visual element, but kind mm. of that I can forgive, if that's the right word, that, no, that, yeah, I, that no, I don't you mind, you know. Yeah, so yeah. It, it somehow it sort of ties in, like... A lot of times there's just so much style over substance with, with mm. kind of visual stuff. Yeah. And maybe it's just me having some weird psychology about it. But mm. like I read it, there was an interview with Danny Carey in Modern Drummer years ago, probably 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he was going on about like the physicality of his drum kit. And it's all very kind of thought out about his personal physical being and where mm. he needs to be putting his hands and stuff, which, which I took a lot from, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but then it kind of he's tied it into like all the geometric shapes drawn on the drums, right? And, you know, because yeah, this is the thing with Tool that's kind of interesting. It's like all that stuff is you know, and there's so much stuff about um, you know what are they really into like astral projection and all that stuff. Yeah, and it's like, like when you hear it, it's Fibonacci like, and stuff. Fibonacci, yeah, and it's all that kind of like you know, quite sort of six for me uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. stoner vibe kind of thing but yeah. th- at the same time that all that stuff is really interesting <laughs> sure, you know I mean? yeah. so yeah. like it is weird it's like oh you hear you know oh here's a 16 minute long song about astral projection like, oh god <laughs> but then it's like oh actually that's really good yeah <laughs> yeah completely <laughs> you know but- that's kind of what i like about tool is those kind of unashamedly yeah got that kind of teenage Sure. Uh, ops, you know, interests kind of things. I don't know how to put it, but yeah. No, I, I get you. But it's reminding mm. me as well of people like Boards of Canada and yeah, right, like yeah. Plaid and, and mm. that lot. You know, there'll occasionally be some sort of number sequence that something's based around or like yeah, the, a song will be precisely so many seconds long for a reason. You know? Yeah. they Well, they put lots of little Easter eggs, for want of a better word, in. Yeah. I, I remember reading... a really good interview with Boards of Canada when the last album came out and he, one of the guys was saying that one of the songs has a chiasmic structure <laughs> I think so, yeah which yeah. is where the end yeah. is exact is the same as the beginning and when a, something new a new element comes in it comes out at the same point at the end you know so it's kind of a mirrored structure yeah I never worked out which song it actually was but that's such a cool idea I think you know? so they didn't say which song or you just can't I can't remember it off the top of my head but right yeah. right that's interesting. They are quite sort of, but again, they've got the sort of mystery. But yeah, that's yeah. part of their shtick, isn't it? It's like yeah, part of the vibe. But that's an interesting one. That's something I'm interested in because if you could, you know, the boards of Canada and Tool are at the opposite ends of the cool spectrum, really. You know, what I, mean? I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting that, that that you've made that link that they're actually kind of interested in similar things like these underlying structures and stuff. 
Yeah. But, um, you know, it's just so funny that, I don't know. I was thinking about this with Soundgarden, actually, when I was, I was thinking about them earlier, but the Soundgarden have never quite been that cool, like in the way Nirvana were cool, you know? Yeah, right? yeah, true, true. Uh, I think they were more so, I think like when it came to Pearl Jam and stuff, because you had Kurt Cobain publicly yeah. dissing Pearl Jam, right, they, yeah. they got the sort of uncool brush. Yeah. But Soundgarden were kind of cool, but a bit more sort of left behind. Yeah, I think it's something to do with the fact that it's sincere, I suppose. Mm. Whereas Nirvana almost... I don't know what it is. I don't know, because I remember having a conversation with someone about Nirvana and about his lyrics in particular at at this time. And, like, saying some of the... The lyrics aren't necessarily all that good. No. Sort of out um, out of context, if you know what I mean. Like, but he's the real deal and, you know, it's just pure... It is him coming through onto the tape. Totally. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, I remember when I first got into Nirvana, that whole thing, that around that time, there was this whole thing where people were saying, oh, he's the voice of a generation and stuff. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, maybe when I'm older, I'll understand the lyrics. You know, because <laughs> I didn't understand the lyrics, but I obviously thought there must be something yeah. very profound going on in them. And you realise after it wasn't, it wasn't really the lyrics. It was literally the voice. Like, his, you know, you heard his voice and you recognised something. Right, right, yeah. You know, and that was exactly what it was. It was an absolute, you know, mind-blowing experience the first time I heard Yeah. I heard Nirvana, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't, yeah. Hmm. But Soundgarden are an interesting one because they, you know, like talking about Matt Cameron and his yeah. way with the kit. And there's a lot of kind of time signature sort of red herrings and stuff. Yeah, chucked in, and like Matt Cameron's a jazz drummer, I think he calls himself. Oh, really? I didn't. Yeah, know. I, yeah. I might be remembering that wrong, but I've certainly yeah. heard him referred to as like a jazz drummer in a different setting. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's like I don't think of him as kind of. I don't know, like, because I think of like Bill Ward as being the great kind of jazz rock drummer. Sure. I think of Matt Cameron as being slightly more John Bonamy, where it's that he's got that kind of real. Mm. Hardness, but with the kind of, I don't know, the, the dexterity or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, another thing I was thinking of uh, was that current 93 song. So right. it's a very sort of um, unusual thing. Up And a, mm. I think I've said this before, I've, I've got a Spotify playlist, like from the Symbol podcast, so everything we mm-hmm. talk about goes on the playlist. So if anyone doesn't know these bands or songs... Go and check it out. Um, But yeah, Current 93, there's that song called The Frolic, which we listened to a lot on one particular tour around the US, I think. Yeah. Just on in the bus all the time. Yeah, just going, didn't he? Sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, that was where we got it from. Jan really was into Current 93 and Coil and all those bands. But that song, The Frolic, really, yeah, made, we sort of, we connected with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But talking about like Kurt Cobain being like his lyrics maybe not so good in some sense but the fact mm. that it's just purely him coming through i remember you talking about this song the frolic and how mm. it literally is just like a channel from him you know I'm right yeah okay not, yeah i can't remember quite how you put it but you're just getting a kind of honest insight and yeah there's nothing else in the way yeah Does that makes you know what i mean yeah like, i think i'm yeah because i remember well yeah it's a, it's kind of I mean, it's going to sound a bit wanky, I suppose, but it's kind of that almost pure expression thing. Sure, and when you yeah. play Current 93 to people, a lot of the time they're like, oh my God, who's this mad, like, <laughs> ranting away? But it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he's really interesting, mm. uh, David Tibet, because he, you know, he's very into folk music and that album is quite folky. And yeah. He was quite, he was quite um, a key part in the kind of way Shirley Collins... The folk singer's been kind of, um, she's, you know, she released an album the other year and she's kind of been touring again after a long break from music. Mm. And he said something about Shirley Collins, which was that her, you know, it's like her, her, I'm not going to explain, express it in the right way. It's like something like her mouth is on her heart or something, as in there's no, nothing between her heart and what she's singing. Which is right, quite right. a nice yeah. way of 
but and that's similar to what you're saying about him i think that kind of strange thing yeah of like it feels like there's no uh filter it's kind of coming from somewhere quite pure yeah yeah and it's weird mm. because it's such a that song in particular is so very dark and yeah but it's also very there's something really uplifting and again going back to the current <laughs> what's going on yeah there's sort of a mixture of dark and light in it like there's some real kind of tense euphoria in there oh yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah. I mean I, th- I put that song on and it, I mean it's quite long isn't it it's like it is nine. quite long yeah and I you it know it takes you six just... minutes just for the bass to come in <laughs> yeah I love like, that yeah but it's just got I mean it's beautiful isn't it I mean the guitar oh, yeah, figure totally. is just so nice and it's mm. so and I find uh, when I listen to it it's one of those songs where you drift off and you're in that world for that time so the length of it doesn't really matter And right right yeah that's it's a great, great song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So coming back to gear, I was, and again, talking about being on tour, we were in Buenos Aires, Iris, in Argentina, mm. and you bought a Gibson SG. Yeah. And it cost an absolute fortune. Yeah, I think I was having a midlife crisis at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, not even, yeah. Yeah, quarter, Just a I don't know. Life crisis. Depends, yeah. Yeah. So, so like, what... I can't quite remember why. Why did you buy it? What was was it? Just very, very nice, or were there other I d- factors? I don't know. I'd always wanted. Um, so when I joined Jan's band, I mean, the guitar I'd always had was this Epiphone SG, which I loved, and you know, I, I loved the sound of it. And I, but I always wanted a, a Gibson, and I sort of wanted to get this uh, uh, Les Paul when I got back to Bristol. Um, it was a really nice red Les Paul, kind of like the George Harrison mm. one. And um, uh, but then yeah, we were in that. There's a, a, a sort of street in Buenos Aires with loads of guitar shops, kind of Denmark Street style. Yeah. Place and um, yeah, we were just going through them all and going, you know. And there was this SG I played, and I just you know just uh, played one chord in it and thought oh my god that's so nice yeah <laughs> you know? it's often that initial thing isn't it yeah just the just feel nice. of that the neck and i've always loved sgs and i've always liked um i don't know i remember seeing will Oldham playing live and he played an sg and i thought that was really cool to be doing music that was very you know un acdc <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah but like to, to be doing kind of you know folky singer-songwriter music mm. um, on an SG. Because I think it lends itself to that because it's such a simple guitar, you know, just two... You know, it's very light and it's, you know, yeah. two pickups, two knobs. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's just, you know... Uh, yeah. And, I, yeah, I think it was just the right time. I'd always wanted a nice guitar. and Yeah, and I, I used that on tour for, for years. Mm. Yeah. That was a funny time because coming back to like pubs and the yeah. past, I remember oh, that, yeah. that trip where we went to to Argentina. Um, we basically, we were, I think we had two gigs in a row, didn't we, in the same venue. So we had yeah. like three or four days there. And we mm. literally spent our entire time in an Irish pub. Irish pub, yeah. <laughs> yeah like a, you know, theme, Irish theme pub, basically. Yeah. But it was glorious. Oh, it was great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great all the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was, yeah, strange, wasn't it? Yeah. Buenos Aires, I loved, though. It was, it was brilliant, you know. Yeah. I seem we to went... remember the shows not being too good, though. They were in a very small club, weren't they? And wasn't there some yeah. kind of um, marketing thing? Or something like they were sponsored Samsung by some Samsung or something. <laughs> yeah, it was really like odd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's quite strange. Mm. <laughs> are you, so are you planning any more sort of live music at all? I'd like to. The, the problem I have is that I've just always... I, I just always had this total lack of confidence about playing my own stuff live. I've never really found a good way to do it. Right. I, partly because I'm not very confident about my sort of singing voice. But um, there have been... I would love to. I'd love to do more. Mm. But I, I do feel like I don't think I'm ever going to get to the stage where I could do a good headlining set. Do you of know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's just not enough. The stuff I tend to do is is quiet, softly spoken. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, you're not going to do this barnstorming 
gig. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose but, so. But it's all but about it's, context, it's a, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting you saying it about about confidence, though. Like, so did you find it much easier? Because obviously, with Yam, we were doing headline shows. Mm. Like, is it easier just to kind of not to simplify it too much, but like to plug in and play someone else's music? <laughs> yeah, to, definitely. Like, to, to really reduce it. Yeah, and you know, playing with someone like Yan who can really raise the roof and his playing yeah. and is is amazing, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember doing a, a tour because I played in a, a band called the Revival Hour with. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and the singer, and that was D- DM Stith, who's yeah. a really good musician, who's got a couple of great albums out and. And I remember we 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 did a gig, and afterwards he came on and did a kind of couple of piano songs, and they were so beautiful. He's brilliant, and um, he said to me afterwards, "Yeah, I didn't think that one really took off." And I was like, "Oh my god, I don't think I've ever played a song that took off." <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like I think yeah. if you've got a really good voice, or you've got like Jan's ability to absolutely, you know, demolish a violin. <laughs> yeah it's like it's you can really put on a good performance whereas the stuff mm. i'm interested in is is like quiet or to the point of it almost being ambient you know <laughs> it's like yeah so it's hard i mean there are pl- venues and places where you could do music like that but it's not something where you could do a kind of it's so dependent on the venue i think yeah well i remember seeing you know stars of the lid like yeah, very kind of yeah. ambient thing. I Great, saw them in yeah. Bristol. Yeah, amazing. And and there were probably I guess you have to have the following as well. Like yeah, you can't definitely. you can't do just purely ambient sort of droney music without knowing that a hundred people are gonna turn up. Yeah, totally you know, to, yeah. to that sort of venue. It was amazing, but but yeah, like I guess they've just spent years and years really plugging away and hammering away at it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Where was that? Was that the one at the... Um... It was the Lantern in Bristol. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw so... um, Caitlin Aurelia Smith there. And that was kind of... Not ambient, but it was very... I suppose it was ambient in a way. Very, mm. like, lots of modular synths. And, but really beautiful. But she kind of managed... She commanded that crowd. Yeah. Even though it was quite difficult... Uh, long-form music, I suppose, for want of a better word. So there yeah. are ways of doing it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Just what suits you, I guess. I mean, yeah. I, we always, yeah, I guess we always used to have a have a few, let's say, before we <laughs> went on. And like, yeah. and kind of being nostalgic again, the band practices mm. we used to have and then yeah. go up to a pub called the Hillgrove and, uh, yeah. you know, such great days. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> like, I'm amazed I can remember some of it, but... <laughs> But yeah, it was no, great it was times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've written something down on my little list of of things that we might talk <laughs> about, and I just I wondered if there was something in this. So so I remember years and years ago I was on holiday. Um, I told you this story when I got back. I was just sat on the beach and there was a <laughs> yeah. Swedish couple next to us. <laughs> yeah. um, didn't know them at all, but of just the sort of people who want to start talking. And this guy yeah. kind of leaned in he looked a bit like a bit like Borat I guess kind of big bushy moustache and this kind of vacant grin just kind of pivoted into my field of view and went I need new shoes like (laughs) in a sort of questioning way and it it sort of became a catchphrase like there's been a lot of in jokes and catchphrases and comedy over the years yeah yeah that's I mean like that's I mean, talking about touring, that was definitely something where me and you would have so many jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Do you remember yeah. when we, were, we played a, that Flow Festival in Helsinki and, you know, the kind of... The person who was assigned to us to as a runner kind of thing to take you to and from the hotel was called Yenny. Yeah. And sort of on the plane back, we kept sort of going, Yenny! <laughs> Like, just kind of imagining Yenny would kind of appear, come and help any, us. Any, yeah, any whim you had. Yeah, not in a rude way. I should stress, just in a kind of, uh, <laughs> just a kind of like. But there's kind know. of no sense to it. That's why. It, yeah, it, it's and it's often this... really hard to explain, particularly in the band of French, uh, largely French and Breton people of kind of. Um, yeah. 
you know, like they go like, "What are you laughing at?" And I go, "Oh my god, how do you explain this?" Which yeah. Is like, you know. yeah. How long have <laughs> you got? Yeah, we probably yeah. yeah. But, but I, I do remember that because I remember I need new shoes. This thing, like yeah, you you put it as your MySpace tag line or something, yeah. and someone yeah. asked you like, "What's that?" And you just went, "Oh, it's just an in joke." Like, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. 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 I don't know where I'm going with that really. <laughs> no, it's yeah, sort of. I don't know. I think I was doing the BBC Bristol thing, and they, that there was like I was doing a session for them, and that was like the first question they asked me. It was like, "Why? Why do you need new shoes?" <laughs> like, I don't know. I was just like, I just didn't know how to answer it, and I sort of thought maybe I need to maintain my digital profile a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's something to, I'm I'm quite a fan of, and like rightly or wrongly, and I'm not saying it's funny or anything, but I quite like just the kind of off the hand quips on Facebook or something off the hand yeah. off hand that just kind of don't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we I got a friend, a friend Alex is extremely good at just yeah. writing utter nonsense online. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's kind of coming up to it enough, I'd say. Mm, like, um, I guess if we just sort of wrap up. Yeah, sure. Um, that's, been, that's been great fun. I don't, yeah, I don't think we've really talked about symbols enough, really. Sorry. That's fine. Yeah, no, I kind of don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Like, It's a very I've nice done... vibe for a podcast, though. It's cool. It's, uh, I hope so, yeah. I just, yeah. I just thought, you know, it's just quite nice to chat. Mm. And especially at the moment. Like it's a nice thing to do for me, and definitely, yeah. and like hopefully people can just listen in, and I got a few more lined up, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess maybe just tell me and the listeners at home where we can listen to your music or like watch anything or mm -hmm. listen to any stand up even. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I've got my. Um, website robinallender.com which is um got my bandcamp page on it and also like my blog where i kind of write about books and things that i'm reading um so that's all my music's on the bandcamp page um and the most of it's on spotify etc and cool. yeah i've got some stand up on youtube as well if you just search for my name on there there's um um, there's a clip from the tour I did with John and a BBC thing as well. Cool. So yeah, Good. but uh, that's 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 about it. But yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Unless there's anything else you want to say, I, let's wrap it up. Cause it's sure, just sure. Been a fun chat, and like it really has, you yeah. said earlier, we haven't talked about symbols one bit. Like, <laughs> you got anything you want to say about symbols? Any questions, even? Um, couldn't, couldn't you care less? The only thing I was going to ask about, because we're both a big fan of that band, Sid Matters. Yeah. Which is another band or musician that Jan introduced us to, who's a French yeah. band, a guy called Jonathan, who performs under the name Sid Matters. And um, he, I, I met, we did a gig with them, with Jan. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, Sid yeah. Matters supported. And I remember chatting to someone in his band who said he hates cymbals. He hates them. <laughs> yeah. And when he listened to Sid Matters, there are virtually no symbols on any yeah. of those tracks. Because I remember on Twitter, you replied to someone talking about symbols and said, Sid Matters use, Sid Matters use no symbols. And I, yeah. I took you up on it. Yes, they do. A little bit. Uh, like, yeah. But I didn't realise it was, there was actual, someone detests symbols in the band there. <laughs> yeah. Was, I just wondered what you made of that as a symbol maker. Oh, I feel hurt, like deeply <laughs> wounded. No, like it's fine. I was there any kind of discussion over it? I'm just intrigued. I, I think it, I think it was to do with like the mix and the way symbols kind of can um, dominate when they. I, I guess I don't know really. Mm. It's just one of those weird musical ticks, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I I there's something about the way they're used, like. What kind of informed my drumming the most over the years is listening to how people punctuate with cymbals mm. and stuff. And what I really don't like about it, and I've said this on previous episodes, is where it's there's kind of a lack of thought. It's just crash two, three, four, crash two, right, three, yeah. four, you know. And it, there is a place for that, mm. like if if the time is right. But yeah, it's not when you're doing can, it just because it's yeah, there or the dumb thing to it's do. Beat one, you know? yeah, so I'll do a crash. Yeah. So in that I was going to say, yeah, actually, 
I, I hate symbols too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was going to say on the EP that, that there's a track which um, I got my friend Joe Ryan to drum on. Oh yeah, uh, he plays in a band called Pharaohs, and he used to play in Revival Hour as well. And ah, right, he's got a really nice style, and he's got his his use of symbols is really oh yeah interesting because he's got a quite nice jazzy kind of touch, and um, yeah, very nicely kind of syncopated way of playing, I guess. Hmm. But he plays the, the, on the second track of the EP. He he plays on a on a song there. Okay, well that so kind of showcase what you're talking about. The, his... Yeah, I think so. And that's also, I mean, you might listen to it and go, "Oh, this is terrible," because it's the first time I've mixed drums. So actually, right. I, I mixed the drums and everything, and cool. just kind of, which was a good experience. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Uh, what was, was your of... recording setup for that? Uh, he's got a nice little um, studio. Oh, uh, so he recorded it. Remotely. Yeah, in Hackney. Oh, okay. No, yeah, we. I went over to his studio and just sort of, we went through it a few times. He recorded about three songs with me, and yeah, it was just he's got night because he he teaches drums, and he uses his studio there to record stuff. And it was cool. yeah, it was just really fun. He's got a really nice free flowing way of playing. Mm, what was his name again? Joe Ryan. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well. Maybe I'll uh, I'll link to your Bandcamp and uh, yeah, any, sure. Anyone fancy? I'll go and have a listen for sure. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, I guess on that note, we'll say good luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let that sink in and uh, get yourself back to quarantine. Yeah. Indeed. You too. Yeah. Yeah. What's on for the rest of the day for you? Um, quite, we're going to watch Emma. Oh yeah. Jane Austen film. Yeah. Um. And, and then it's Monday, isn't it? So Only Connect, University Challenge, MasterChef. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Probably MasterChef. Uh, yeah. We started that um, Tiger King thing on Netflix. Oh, yeah, we watched the first episode of that. Yeah. It's f- fucking mental. Yeah. So we are still <laughs> recording, by the way. I'm oh, sorry. Thoroughly- no, 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 it's great. I mm. just thought this was getting a bit... Bit casual, but this is going freely. on because this, this yeah. is great. Yeah, this is, this well, I tell you what, we're really enjoying for recommendations is uh, it's called "I'm Not Okay with That" on Netflix. I think if I, I'm I've either seen that or there's one called "I'm a I Hate the World." Or, yeah. Oh anyway, yeah, no, that's yeah that's something else, that's isn't it? The end of the effing world. It's that's not that. it. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Kind of. Um, I suppose that you'd say it might be similar to Stranger Things, just to give you a very but it's kind of more interesting and it's got really good soundtracks, Captain Beefheart and stuff. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's worth watching. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's my quarantine sorted out for <laughs> a couple of days at least. Yeah. So yeah, Indeed. like go steady and keep recording music and yeah, I'll send everyone to your site. Cheers. Uh, yeah. And thanks a lot for chatting to me. No worries. It's a pleasure. Cheers, Dave. <laughs>